the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In Matthew and Luke, we get a picture of those who think they're saved, and Jesus says, I never knew you. So can you really know if you're truly born again? Let's find out next. It is a challenge, isn't it? Do we really know that we are saved? Are we so sure that there's no question that ever remains? And should there be questions? As I mentioned a moment ago, there are those who firmly believe they're saved. They take a look at all they do and they plead with Jesus saying, look, we've done all this. We're yours. And he says, I never knew you. So what is the answer to this? Can we really know if we are truly born again? And if so, how? What are some of the signs and marks? Now join us and find out. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Look at John 3. Uh, I'm just kind of resting on John 3 before we move to the rest of the book in our studies in John. And um, let me just take verses 1 through 8 and uh, begin a journey. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Turn with me, if you will, to First Peter, just to give you some other passages to con- just we'll be touching them briefly. But First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Well, how can I ever do that? People are hard to love. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Now turn, if you will, to 1 John. Same writer of the gospel writes 
the three epistles of John. In verse 12, whoever has the Son has life, has eternal life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things, I take it to be the epistle of 1 John, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. That's why he wrote the book. Now, let's look at one other verse. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. That's interesting. Examine yourselves to see if you're really in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? And we're going to take a test today to see if you are really in the faith. Uh, I find myself fishing a lot in the uh, church aquarium today, because uh, not out in the ocean, just the aquarium where the fish gather, you. Because uh, the new birth uh, has fallen into such times as you'll hear people say, um, uh, well, they're saved, uh, they just don't go to church. Uh, they're saved, uh, they just haven't broken with sin. They're, they're still an addict. Uh, they're still a this. They're still a that. And uh, pray for them. Uh, and if you grew up in circles that I grew up in, uh, you got saved, but you were still powerless You get saved, but you remain defeated. You get saved, and uh, you need some second work of grace because the new birth leaves you wanting in power. It it gets you started, but uh, there's no power. There's no change. Uh, It's... uh, I, I raised my hand at a youth group meeting, or I raised my hand at church, and someone pled to me to come forward, and I did. But uh, they've never been baptized. They don't attend. Uh, they don't know the word. And we're all the time saying we're born again America. And I ask, is this the biblical concept of being born again? Is, is this what the new birth is all about? And... Um, I think we looked last week on what is saving faith. And James said it has to be a faith that works, not just right belief. But there's three ways we need to measure Christian experience. And it's interesting, the different circles, how we do it. Uh, If you grew up around the reform camp and the cerebral camp, uh, the theologian camp, everything is right belief. Believe right. Believe right. Right. Boy, what do you believe about doctrine? And then you come over in the middle and you have, we we blame it on the Methodists and the Pentecostals, but Jonathan Edwards was in this camp. Uh, George Whitfield was in this camp. Jesus was in this camp. That being saved is not just right believing, it's right affections. And Jonathan Edwards used the word affections to refer to the bent of the will and the experiences of knowing God. And that right feelings, right emotions, 
And I give you a list here on the other side, pivoting off of Edwards, that uh, God commands his people to love Christ. Do you love Christ? Is that a doctrine or is that an emotion or is that an effect? Uh, he tells you to have joy unspeakable. Well, I don't have joy in my Christianity, but by George, I'm saved, and you can't talk me out of it. Where is the joy? Ed- Edwards wrote his book. His key verse was 1 Peter 1.8. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. That, that was the key, because here he was, the intellectual of the great awakening in America, and because there was so much fanaticism and swooning like in Methodist meetings, They wrote off the whole awakening as just a big emotional hysteria. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. There was excesses. There were abuses, as it were. But then he wrote his book, let me tell you, right belief about God without ever having the inner core of your emotions and your affections moved by God so that you come to love God. You love to have joy in God. You have peace in God, zeal for God. If you don't have the affections, you just have an intellectual faith. And you see the, 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 the doctrine crowd, doesn't even, they get nervous over here. They, Ooh, I don't, I'm not into feelings. Maybe you're not saved. I don't need you to tell me what an orange tastes like. I've already tasted. The only way you can know what an orange tastes like, you've got to eat one. And Jonathan Edwards defended the awakening by saying, it affects the core of your, you're affected by meeting God. You don't just go on, well, I've never been changed, but I'm born again. What do you mean? You haven't met, him. God invaded your life, brought in his divine nature, and it never has affected you? No, no, not possible. And so I think there's another category, right practice, right practice. So when a person says, I've been born again, it would be, I have believed in the right object for my faith, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It has, uh, the love of God has been just brought in my heart. And I've got, to, as the old Scottish woman said, it's better felt than telt. I've got such deep emotions about God. He moves me so deep in the core of my being that I sometimes cannot express it intellectually. I've experienced the new birth. And then over here, it's affected my practice. So all three things go together. Believing in the right object, the Lord Jesus Christ, experiencing the divine work of the Spirit in the heart that brings the, uh, well, the feast of wonderful emotions. You see, some people, the only emotions they've ever had is anger. All their emotional life has been negative. Once you come to Christ, you start having positive emotions. You start having positive feelings. Um, it's Valentine's Month. Uh, some of you think Christianity is mere duty. Do your duty. Well, the law told them to do their duty. And when it comes around to the 14th, I can do this. Uh, Carolyn, um, here's a dozen red roses. I hope you're glad. And then, then I can reach into my little day timer and check that off. Got that done. Would that affect the deed? Would she be just thrilled? Well, you did the deed. You gave her the flowers. And some of your Christianity, which is really a false Christianity, is you do the deed, 
You drop in an offering. You may show up, but you stay miserable. You stay bitter. You don't have any joy. I'm afraid you don't know him. Well, you said you don't know my personality type. There's only so many kinds of human personality. The new birth is the same. It doesn't matter how you build. Introvert, extrovert, German or Italian. He saves people. And he changes them. Don't, don't get off of it that way. So, uh, we're going to just I give a little comparison of what people, I don't want to stay here too long, uh, but look at number two. The biblical view of being born again is recreating a, the core of my nature and disposition, a person that renews my heart, and I start going in the Godward direction. Today, people talk about the new birth. It comes in, but it does not fundamentally change my personality or the way I'm headed. Uh, well, we're just praying they'll get dedicated. No, get saved. Uh, well, they never were discipled. Oh, that's a common one. Well, they've not really grown. They've been out there. No one discipled them. No one followed up on them. You know what? If Jesus would have come to a person like that and says, you no longer follow me, he would have never said, why, you mean you never took a navigator discipleship class? He'd say, where's your loyalty for me? Why don't you follow me? You don't follow me because you don't know me. And so what did they do? Wesley and holiness groups, you know what they invented? They invented, you need a second work of grace. You need, they were taught, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or uh, you need to dedicate your life. And it became kind of a two-stage Christianity. This leaves you touched but not changed. Over here's where the power is. Over here's where it really happens. No, 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 no. The real new birth changes radically your disposition and gives you a new appetite and a new direction and a new desire that you never had. It does not leave you unchanged. The new birth, the new birth does not leave you unchanged. Well, why are there so many cranky churchmen? Well, you can be cranky and name the name of Christ. Why are there so many joyless Christians? Why are there so many angry Christians? I'm amazed at how many angry, and they just say, well, I'm not really in sin, but I've just been angry for years. That's not sin? What is that? You've not let the sun go down. You've got many moons that have gone down on your anger. No, no, no. He, he, he gets rid of the anger. I've met people in the church. You cannot believe the things that have happened to them and they keep going. They've got a joy that, that you can't describe. I know other folks, one little, one little thing trips them up. They're always ticked about something. You know why? It might be an absence of the, the peacemaker in the heart. That life is too short. I've got a peace in Jesus I didn't get from the church. I got it from Christ. There'll always be something to be ticked about. If you let it. Well, let's take a journey here. I want you to read all this other uh, to just say that I'm not totally heretical in where I'm going. Uh, Let's take a test that John said. I gave certain criteria in my book to help you know that you're saved. And watch what it says. Let's go to 1 John and take the test. Are you ever on page 5? Have a pen, because you may go to heaven or hell based on whether you pass this test. 
Don't want to put you under pressure, but uh, I would really follow this test. Uh, first question, a born-again person has no sin within. Those are our biggest sinners. Uh, kind of be quiet on your answers. Kevin, don't coach them. Uh, one eight. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, not our wife, and the truth is not in us. Uh, so say, I want you to say this. You heard it first at church. Christian sin. Kind of hold on. I'll just say the Christians like you sin. You heard it first in church. You don't need the job people to say, well, you Christians are all hypocrites. No, no, no. We sin boldly. We just get forgiveness. Who said we didn't sin? God never said we didn't sin. Right? Not, is this your life's verse? Hallelujah, I sin. No, I'm not saying that. But he doesn't want us to be deceived. Christians still sin. Now, we hope they don't do certain sins. Rob banks. And a lot of biggies that he just puts behind. But we still deal with indwelling sin. And we have to be on our toes about it. But see, sin remains in the believer. But hear this now. But it does not reign over us. Romans 6 says, we are not under the dominion of sin. It remains in me, but it does not reign over me. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Romans 6 is clear about that. So it remains in me, but it's not like a king ruling over me. So... Uh, we can know that. Uh, two, let's take your test and you just fill this out. Be real quiet. Say, a born again person will deny they sin. They only make mistakes. Two, hide their sin. Especially if you're the pastor. You got to look good. Uh, confess their sin. Okay, how many say deny their sin? What about hide their sin? How many say confess it? Whew, good you passed on that. Good. There's a big difference in saying I don't sin versus I confess it. Do you ever ask anyone to forgive you? Do you have problem forgiving people? How could you not be expected to forgive people that can still sin? We, and what we do, I love what First John says. The word confess simply means to name it what it is, and it's painful. You've heard me tell the story that Carolyn heard me one time uh, teach on this. And so the next time we had a spat and I uh, was going on about something, uh, well, I knew I was wrong. And so all of a sudden I said, well, uh, Carolyn, I'm sorry. And she said, for what? You heard me. I said, I'm sorry. That's enough. For what? Name it. You mean claim it? No, I said name it. What was it? Didn't you just say when you confess sin, you name it? Well, when you ask for my forgiveness, I want you to name how you were a jerk. Honey, where's the grace? Name it. Honey, I was wrong when I did that. 
or name it. That's painful, especially when it's a fallible human being like a wife. But you know what? We do this. Did you ever hear that song at the end of the day? Lord, if I've committed any sin today, forgive. <laughs> Didn't work that way. You always know when you sin. Sin is a rebellious act. And it's not like, well, I might have done something wrong. Oh, you don't, no, from the moment you commit that sin and you don't deal with it, the Spirit of God begins grieving. Grieving. You know it. It's not like, well, I never know when I sin. Yes, you do. And those who know God, His children, the Spirit works on them so they name it to God the Father. God, I just lied. God, I just had a bad thought. I had a bad attitude. Whatever it is, you name it, and God is faithful and righteous. It's beautiful here. He didn't say faithful and gracious. He said faithful and righteous. God is righteous to forgive you because it's already been dealt with at the cross. And he's just extending the benefit of Christ's death to you about that sin. But Christian people confess they're wrong, not only to God, they're willing to ask forgiveness of wife, husband, fellow believer, instead of just storing up the resentments, carrying it around. No, 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 no. Born again, people can sin and do sin, but they confess it. They confess it. It's, uh, uh, I, I don't know, I just meet many people. It would kill them to ever say they were wrong. I could never make it if I couldn't confess it. I start out feeling I'm wrong. I'm a sinner to start with. The miracles, I do anything right. Hmm? That God does anything good through you. And, but I see stubbornness in believers. Just, mm-mm, mm-mm. And more churches have been spread over stubbornness than adultery. Nobody admits they're stubborn and won't change, won't bend. Now, matter of fact, I just soon get a divorce as to ever ask your forgiveness. The rebellion, that's the sign of an unregenerate heart. Because once you've been regenerated by the Spirit of God, He gives you a heart of flesh, takes away the heart of stone, giving up that stubbornness that you can't admit it. And you know, the, the only way uh, I've been able to make it in my marriage is to admit, and I've been about wrong about 90% of the time. It's terrible when you marry a saintly woman. She knows God better than me. You know how I know that? It's in her spirit and in her behavior. I'm this South Richmond boy that wants to win every argument, and I'll show you I'm right. And the Spirit of God just grabbed me and said, Oh, you little... <laughs> Who do you think you are? You go in there and apologize to that gift from God God gave you in this precious woman. I'd rather have her than to hold on to my stubbornness. I'd rather have fellowship with one another than to hold on to that stuff. Believers do not always keep it together, but boy, as soon as you just raise up your hand and say, I surrender, I was wrong, hallelujah. God won't beat you up, he'll forgive you. And you can go on, then you have another argument later. <laughs> but you'll be right back. It has a way of breaking you when you're accountable for what you do. Makes you accountable. Well, third question. When a born-again person sins, uh, they lose their salvation. Uh, they have to be born again 
again is what I really said. Uh, so you got to get saved again, again, because the first one you lost, so you need another one. Uh, Why well, get a second one if you could lose the first one? But okay. Uh, Christ's death for the believer keeps them saved since he paid for it. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.